Are you ready for the best real estate investing advice ever? Join Joe Fairless and today's successful real estate professional as they share it with you. Let's go. A quick word from our sponsor. When you reach more people, your business grows. You probably already have enough content. Just turn that content into audio and increase your reach. Got a PowerPoint presentation? Make it an audiobook. If you're more ambitious, then create your own podcast. But it's not just about reach. I learned that the hard way. It's about quality reach. When I first started the best ever show, it sounded well. I'll let you decide. And from an insurance standpoint, uh, based on your and now after partnering with the team at Twenty Four Sound, it sounds a lot better, right? Email Twenty Four Sound at hello at twenty four sound dot com and mention best ever for a 20% discount on your first product. Hello, best ever listeners. Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless, and I'm here with today's guest, Bob Berg. Hi, Bob. Hey, Joe. Great to be with you. Great to have you on the show. And Bob is joining us from Jupiter, Florida. But more importantly, he is a best-selling author. He has authored four books, one of them, um, I am completely obsessed with and the, another one I'm about to get obsessed with. Uh, uh, let's, let's see the, your four books. Uh, the first one, Endless Referrals. The next one, which, uh, is what we'll focus on primarily on this during this conversation is the go giver. Uh, then you have go givers sell more. And then your newest book, congratulations on that is adversaries into allies win people over without manipulation or coercion. Love the topic and very straightforward. And about the go-giver real quick, the go-giver actually climbed to number six on the Wall Street Journal's best sellers list. And it's published in more languages than I knew existed, uh, 21 languages, and is his fourth book to sell over a quarter million copies. So really grateful to have you on the show, Bob. And can you tell the best ever listeners a little bit about your background? And one thing I noticed in all of your books, and clearly this doesn't take a rocket scientist to notice this, um, but that they're all influence and sales focused. Um, so can you tell a little bit about why that is a topic that you write about uh, the most? Sure. Well, my background, I, I began in broadcasting and uh, graduated very quickly into sales. I, I knew nothing about sales when I began. So I floundered for a while, as would be expected, and began to come across books, great books on sales. This is now 30, 35 years ago. Uh, books like Tom Hopkins, How to Master the Art of Selling and uh, Zig Ziglar's books and you know, began to really study the masters. Anything I could get my hands on regarding selling, I studied. And in a very, very quick period of time, my sales went through the roof. And the, the big, the big difference was having a system. Uh, I define a system simply as the process of predictably achieving a goal based on a logical and specific set of how to principles. Uh, the key being predictability. If, if it's been proven that by doing A, you'll get the desired result of B, then you know that all you need to do is A and do A consistently and persistently enough, and you'll get the desired results of B. So uh, eventually, I, I worked my way up to sales manager of a company and then began teaching others how to do this, and it morphed into a, a, um, a speaking career. As far as influence 
and selling being uh, topics that, that sort of seem to come up in my writing. <laughs> yeah, very, very true, because really it's all about uh, influence when you think of it. Uh, to understand that, we need to simply understand what influence is. On a very, very basic level, influence can be defined simply as the ability to move a person or persons to a desired action, usually within the context of a specific goal. Uh, on a bit deeper level, we could say that influence is an unseen flow of power. And, you know, while both those definitions are, are literally correct, I don't think either one captures the essence of what influence is. Really, influence is pull. It's an attraction. Uh, great influencers attract people to themselves and to their ideas, and they do this not through pushing them. But, you know, you don't hear people say, well, that Joe, he is so influential. He has a lot of push. <laughs> he has a lot of pull. It's an attraction. Great influencers attract people to themselves and to their ideas. They do this not through being pushy or pushing themselves or their ideas. They do this through through pull. You know, one reason I believe it's so important to, to, to be able to influence is because really when you think of it, you can you can possess practically all the the success attributes there are. Uh, you can be very talented and of high character. Uh, you can be ambitious, kind, charitable, hardworking, thrifty, and energetic. You can have a knack for numbers and a head for business. You can be uh, you can be creative and much much more. And all that's great, you know, Joe. It's terrific to have all those. However, unless you can influence others move people again to the desired action and do so in a way that benefits everyone concerned, you're not going to be able to reach the level of success and especially sustainable success that you desire. And I think that probably leads us into the go-giver topic where, you know, the book's all about shifting the focus from getting to giving. And is that the key to, as you were mentioning earlier, having influence that pulls and attracts and reaches outcomes that benefits everyone? Or is, are there more things to that? No, you, you said it very well. I mean, when you, when you think of it, great leaders, great influencers know that they accomplish great things with others. And the, the best leaders, the best, you know, let, let's put it this way. Great leadership is never about the leader. Great influence is never about the influencer. And great salesmanship is never about the salesperson. It's always about the other person. It's uh, it's being focused. And when we say shifting our focus from getting to giving, absolutely. But let's understand what giving means in this case. When we say giving, we simply mean constantly and consistently providing value to others. And it doesn't matter what what position you're in. It doesn't matter what kind of business you're in. It doesn't matter what you're selling. The other, and I, you know, I, I say this a lot when I, when I begin a conference, when I speak at a sales or, or leadership conference, I'll, I'll say, you know, nobody is going to buy from you because you have a quota to meet. <laughs> They're not going to buy from you because you need the sale. They're not going right. to buy from you because you really think they should, that it will be best for them. No. They're going to buy because they believe that doing so is going to be profitable to them. Yeah, and that's yeah. why they, that's exactly why they should. Now, the good thing and which is why true free enterprise is is always so great for the consumer is because it's all about the consumer. 
we've got to be able to please the other person <laughs> in order to profit, which is the way it, 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 it should be. And it's also why the, the outstanding attribute of a free market-based sale or transaction is that both parties come away from the transaction better off than they were before uh, because they both have traded something they want less for something they want more. But it's up to the influencer or the salesperson to make sure that their focus is on providing value to that other person. That's what's going to begin the process. I, I think we might have already touched on it, but I'm going to ask you the question anyway. What is your best investing advice ever for real estate investors? Or let me rephrase that. What is your best advice ever for real estate investors? Well, you know, I mean, that's not that's not my area of expertise specifically. So for, for me to give specific advice wouldn't be wouldn't be appropriate. However, I can definitely give this advice. Learn from those who've already done it. Yes. <laughs> oh, the system, the process of predictably achieving a goal. Right. And so that's why people like you are so very important, because you help guide in the process with a system that has already been proven. Yes. And I I meant to ask you, what is your best advice for real estate investors versus what is your best investing advice for real estate investors? And yeah, that <laughs> that, that makes sense. Having a system, um, because your advice is applicable to any industry. Uh, and that's why I, I love it so much. Um, that and it makes a whole lot of sense because whenever we do give more, we uh, and we focus on constantly, consistently adding value to others. There's just the universe of reciprocity um, just comes back our way. I'd love to uh, hear any specific examples that you've come across, because as you mentioned, you were a uh, a student of this before you started writing about it and while you were actively in sales and your your sales grew exponentially um, and I'm still a student of it <laughs> and you're still a student of it absolutely you're you're a student and a teacher and um how what what are some specific examples or a specific example of somebody in the real world implementing this and achieving success well you know it, it was interesting soon after the go giver first came out and what was interesting to us was that the the early adapters, if you will, of the book, the, the ones who bought it first, uh, were not the ones who necessarily needed it. These are the people who are already living their lives and conducting their business this way, and they tended to be very, very successful. But what they did is they would give the book to a lot of people or, or promote the book to a lot of people, whether it's in their organization or people they were mentoring or what have you. So it was after that that we really began getting uh, emails from people who, and, and there's one in particular, I just loved the story. He was out of the Pittsburgh area, and it was really during the, the financial crisis that was really taking place in his business, and it was a roofing business. And it had really gone downhill. And he read the book, he read the Coke Giver, and he said, okay, this is what I need to do. I need to shift my focus. It's not about me and how bad my business is right now. It's not about how much I need. It's what kind of value. How do I best communicate value to the customer as they understand it to be a value? And his business just absolutely turned around. And, you know, I just, I love hearing those stories. And we, you know, we get them quite a bit and we never get tired of them. It was a woman, uh, uh, 
named Andy from San Antonio who had a bridal shop. And I've gotten to know her since then, so I know the story more. But she actually first heard this when um, I spoke at an event where she was, where she lives in, in San Antonio. And I was talking to her about, or not to her, but to the, the group, about not trying to sell on low price, but rather selling on value. You know, when you sell on low price, when you sell on price, you're a commodity. Yep, when you yep. sell on value, you're a resource. So what you don't want to do is is try to play the game of of you know who can the, who can sell at the lowest price. You're going to go out of business, or you're not going to enjoy your business. You're not going to be able to service the sale. Instead, think of what the value is you provide through your product or service, and how most importantly the customer. You know, I always say value is always in the eyes of the beholder. It's not what we believe is of value or what we think they should feel is of value. It's what they feel is of value. So she was in a business where it, where it was very discount oriented. And she made a decision after that, that from that point on, they were going to sell at full price, but they were really going to better communicate the value they provided. And so, you know, they went through it. She and her team went through an entire process and exercise of, of, uh, better, com- better understanding their value. You know, you've got to believe in your own value before you can uh, charge for it. And then they, what they also did is they went out and they asked those people who were already their loyal customers and clients, what is it about us that you enjoy the most? You know, why do you work with us rather than the competition? Why do you? And they really came to understand this. So they began to just terrifically communicate their value. And in six months, her store was doing $10,000 a month more net. And so um, she continued to do this. And uh, the profit margin got, or the profit of the store, it was higher. And then uh, what happened from there is their business became just about all referral. Wow. Yeah. And here's the other, here's the kicker. Um, People would come into their store and not even ask about a discount. Because they were already now told by their personal walking ambassadors, you know, by the people who love doing business with that store, with Amy and her crew, don't even bother asking for the discount. You're not going to get it, but you're going to love the experience and the results. So they then began to really teach their customers and clients how to be good customers and clients. They move from a commodity, as you mentioned, to a valued resource. Yeah, absolutely. You said that perfectly. Absolutely. And that you, you mentioned some interesting things that I want to very quickly touch on uh, with, you know, can, you mentioned earlier constantly and consistently providing value to others, but then you just went through a specific example of how a company can do that. And uh, you talked about how that company in particular first started st- identifying, okay, what is it that we bring to the table of value? And Okay, we think it's valuable, and here's what here's why. But who cares? It's really about our customer, and right. what do they think of the value of what we provide? And let's talk to them a little bit. And I think that is so um, practical for real estate investors to practice uh, whenever they're creating their company, whether it's wholesalers or what I do, raise money and buy apartment communities. I mean. We can look at our business and we can say, okay, here's the acquisition fee. Here's what we should be charging. Here's the um, assignment fee if we're wholesaling. Here's the asset management, whatever it is. 
Um, and then we can look at one, the competitions. I do think that's important, as I'm sure you would agree, looking at the competition and what they're doing, and then taking a look at, okay, let's talk to our consumer, let's talk to our customer, let's talk to our potential investor, and let's get an idea of what they think about this business and the business model. And then we can position our company accordingly so that we're not competing on prices and being a commodity. And rather, we're competing in another level like Apple does, where they don't compete on price. They compete on lifestyle. They compete on uh, you know the, the, the perceived value that they're bringing to the table because nobody else is doing it and performing the way they're performing. Exactly. And now it's at the point, of course, when they announce a product, people are standing in line. Boom. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And, and so, uh, and the people who, who work at Apple, you know, if you go to one of the stores, you know, at the mall, they love being there. You know, it's just, it's a wonderful atmosphere. It's just a total, totally great experience. It reminds me of whenever I started out on my own, uh, two years ago after, you know, my advertising industry career. And I, I created my first company and it absolutely flopped. I spent $3,000 on a website and my, my focus was going to be to consult college students and young professionals to help them climb the ranks in the advertising, marketing, or PR career because I achieved a lot of success in a very relatively short amount of time. Uh, but what I did not do is speak to my target customer and ask them if this would be something of value or, quite frankly, if they could pay for it. And they turns out they couldn't pay for it because they didn't have a job or they were still trying to climb the ladder. And it was kind of a catch 22. And my next business, the apartment investing business, I talked to some of my potential investors prior to even having the business. And I had demand before I had supply. Yes. And that is the, if, if you can have demand before you have supply, then <laughs> do that business. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Are you ready for the best ever lightning round? A quick word from our best ever sponsor. Best ever listeners, if you want to grow your business, you need an audio product. Contact 24sound at 24sound.com for a free consultation. And remember, you'll get 20% off your first product just by mentioning best ever. Best ever book you've read. Okay. Can I make a disclaimer here? Absolutely. There are so many amazing books I've read <laughs> that it's hard to cut, you know, and, and then you got the different topics. You, you, know, you can't, you can't kill my show format though, Bob. Okay. <laughs> uh, all right. Then um, Peace, Power, and Plenty by Orison Sweat Martin, written in 1900. Okay. Fair enough. And how come you picked that one? It is such an amazing, amazing book. This, he's, by the way, Orison Sweat Martin is, is the, the, the person many – uh, called the father of the personal development movement. And he's actually the founder of Success Magazine. Uh, but he wrote lots and lots of books and pamphlets back around the turn of the century. It's absolutely, you talk about everything we, we, we read about in the personal development, you know, genre, you can find in his book. And he says it so ama- amazingly. Uh, it, it's just, it, Oh wow! I mean, and I have one of the original. You can still get his book, but but by this time it's it's um, uh, you know, republished by people, so it looks more modern. I have one of the old original uh, collectors' versions of the book, so I don't even write inside the book. All my notes, and I've got tons of them on every page, uh, are with yellow stickies <laughs> because I don't even want to. I can't. I can't even. I can't justify um, writing in that book itself. 
Wow. I, I will be getting that book. Thank you for that recommendation. I haven't heard of that yet. And now I have, and now I'm going to read it. And, and think of it, peace, power, and plenty. It's everything to, to be part of a happy life. You know, peace, which is really personal peace, peace of mind, uh, power, which is really living to our potential and plenty, abundance. Uh, it's just, it's beautiful. Best ever listeners, I know you like audio, so you can get a book like that. Probably not that book, although it might be up there, at freebesteverbook.com. Okay, Bob, what's the best ever personal growth experience and what you learned from it? I would say it's when a a um, wise and old uh, business veteran who was about to retire, uh, and this was at a company I was working with, and he he kind of saw me as an up-and-comer who, who didn't quite have his priorities in the right place. And he said to me, Berg, if you want to make a lot of money in selling, he said, don't have making money as your target. Your target should be serving your customers. If you hit the target, you'll get a reward. The reward will be money, and you can do with that whatever you want. But realize that the money is not the target. It's only the reward for hitting the target. The target is serving others. Wow. And that advice obviously resonated with you and in your writing. Yeah, and that's basically law number one, the law of value in the book. The Go-Giver is kind of based on, on that uh, statement. Best ever success habit you practice? I would say taking action. Uh, it, it's interesting that, uh, Robert Ringer, who is a best-selling author from the seventies, who's still in the business, he's still in the game. And, and he, he's just a brilliant, brilliant guy. He once said to me, uh, he gave me one of the nicest compliments. We went back and forth on, on something. We were talking about a different project and I had done something. And he said, he said, Bob, I really like how you have a bias to a bias toward action is what he said, a <laughs> bias toward action. And I thought that's a great compliment because, you know, it's one thing to have the thought, the idea, the intent. But we know is, uh, until we put action in, into the, you know, into the mix, nothing's going to happen. That's why, you know, people who haven't read The Go-Giver, they'll say, so are you saying we shouldn't be a go-getter? No, you've got to be a go-getter. Be a go-getter and a go-giver. Just don't be a go-taker. Mm -hmm. Because a go-taker is focused only on themselves. They're not focused on bringing value to others. Best ever reason why you wrote adversaries into allies win people over without manipulation or coercion because i believe it was the book i was meant to write and it's a book that above all else with all the studying on the topic i've ever done and the utilizing of the information it's it's probably the biggest ongoing lesson i learned from my dad and that is really how to um be focused on bringing value to others and make other people feel genuinely good about themselves, about the situation, and about you. And I've always said uh, the, the, best, the best people skill is a genuine and authentic interest in the other person. And that's really what I've learned from my dad. So this book is really my way of carrying on my dad's legacy. What, what's a, a way that you found to be successful um, to – Connect with someone that you recently met or just met, a, say, a marketing or a networking event and start building that rapport with that person uh, from what you've what you've learned. 
Okay, here is a, a very, very powerful way. Few will do this, but the ones who do it and do it consistently, it will make a huge difference in their ability to, to make a, a good connection with people. And that is send a personalized, handwritten thank you note immediately afterwards. Not an email, though emails are great. Not connecting on social media, though that's certainly great as well. I do that all the time. But a personalized, handwritten note. I even I even have a a note card that I devise, that I use, that I, I recommend to others. If, if people would like to see what it looks like, they can go to Berg, B-U-R-G dot com slash note card, one word, and they can they can model it after mine if they'd like. The only difference is instead of putting your your books on the top of it, you'll have your, uh, uh, you know, you'll have what you do. But it's it's basically, it's eight and a half by three inches, so it fits into a number 10 envelope. Uh, while it has your contact information, there's lots and lots of room to write the note because even the note itself is not about you. It's about them. And in blue ink, because blue ink is, is, is a friendly color. It's a color that shows it was handwritten. You simply write, you know, hi, Dave or hi, Mary or however the relationship been established. Thank you. It was a pleasure meeting you at the so-and-so event. Uh, if I can ever refer business your way, I certainly will. You know, if that, if that came up in the conversation. It's not about yourself. It's always about them. Put it inside a number 10 envelope, handwrite in blue ink, the, the person's name and address, put a regular or oversized stamp, a uh, commemorative stamp on it, not a, not a meter machine. And you send that out that day, that person will treasure that note. <laughs> How do you ask for the address if you met somebody in person? I mean, cause that's not a typical thing to say. And I imagine one aspect of that being such a wow moment for the recipient is that it's unexpected joy and sure. it also breaks through. So if you ask for their address, it might tip your hand. So how, how do you do that? Oh, just ask for their business card. Ah, uh, yes. <laughs> Duh. Remember, by the way, if for some reason they don't have one or their, their um, address isn't on their card, just go to whitepages.com and the chances are you can, uh, you know, you'll, you'll be able to find their address or if you know where they work because you've said, what do you do? And well, I'm a so-and-so at so-and-so, uh, you look that up. So the, the, you know, the good news, it's pretty easy to find that information if, if it's not right on their card. Um, and of course use good judgment. You don't want to come across like you're stalking the person, you know, but, but by and large, all things being equal, you know, you've had a conversation with the person, you get a quick conversation, you get their business card, you've got their address and you send a nice note. What's the biggest mistake you've made in business? I think not. I think it was um, being slow to change, uh, especially when it came to technology. I think in the late '90s, as things were really starting to move over into technology, uh, not technology focused, because to me it's always people focused, but the technology is a tool. I really, because I I'm not the most technically oriented person in the world, and I'm not the quickest to change. Uh, I think I got left behind a little bit and it took me time to catch up. So, um, that, that was a mistake, you know, seeing something that I should have done and should have taken the time to learn how to get comfortable with. And I didn't. And Bob, what's the best ever place to reach you? Really just Berg.com, B-U-R-G.com. Pretty much everything is there that, uh, a person could want to know about me and probably stuff they don't want to know about me. <laughs> Well, thank you so much for being on the show with the best ever listeners and giving your timeless advice on how to 
I'm going to say approach life, my friend. I don't, I don't even think it's specific to business. I think it's just a life lesson to, um, you know, to shift the focus from getting to giving. I think that's just, that's powerful stuff. And I am wholeheartedly grateful to have you on the show. Um, I'd like to do something. Let me think. How about if, uh, for the first five best ever listeners, who and I've never done this, Bob. By the way, so I'm kind of just making it up right now. Um, <laughs> the first five best ever listeners to tweet um, their favorite quote from this episode to both uh, Bob and uh, and I. Um, I'll buy you the book, uh, book Go Giver, and I'll also buy you his new book, Adversaries and the Allies: Win People Over Without Manipulation or Coercion. Um, so first five people that tweet at us, um, once this show it goes live, I'll, uh, just, I'll get your info and I'll, I'll send you a copy of each book. So thank well, you I- so much, Bob, for being on the show. I am so grateful, like I mentioned. And, um, is there anything just to wrap up? Is there anything that we, the, we did not talk about that you'd like to talk about? No, I think you covered it all beautifully. Terrific. Thank you so much for having me on. It was a real pleasure. All right. Talk to you soon. Alrighty. Hey, you, best ever listener. Do you want more? Then head to joefairless.com, where there are tons of free videos, templates, and content to help you get deals done. And if you want Joe to personally help you reach your goals, then go to the Work with Joe tab on joefairless.com and apply to, well, work with Joe. 